How's about we write some more stories? How's about we tell some more tales? Gather round the fire, maybe read for just a while, and we'll listen to the stories unveiled. Oh, we'll see if we succeeded writing stories no one needed from suggestions that you shared. Hello, and welcome to the campfire yet again. I am your host, Colby McHugh, and we like trying new things here on the S'more Stories podcast. This episode that you are listening to right now is the first of a brand new series I'm calling, and this is is very on-brand as always, Fireside Chats. These episodes will function more as interviews rather than the typical kind of show-and-tell procedure of our mainline episodes, which I love, and we will still continue to do, of course, as well. But what I've realized in in talking to people and asking people about this podcast is not everyone has the time to brainstorm, write an entire story. It is a lot of work, and I completely understand that. But I want to talk to them anyway. I want to talk to them about stories. I want to learn their secrets. I want to uh, steal those secrets and and use them for myself. That is the open secret of this podcast. It's not a secret if I'm telling it, actually, I, I guess. But for this inaugural episode of Fireside Chats, I am so incredibly excited to introduce you, beautiful listeners, to your new favorite band, The Wolves of Glendale. And representing the band here on the on the podcast is the guitarist. And one of the three vocalists in the band, Mr. Ethan Edinburgh. Hello, Ethan. Good morning, Colby. Or good evening, I should say, since it's nighttime and we're outside next to a fire. Exactly. You're already you're already figuring it out. You're already on brand. I love that. Yes. You're you're thank you for joining me behind or around the the S'more Stories campfire. I'm so excited to to learn more about you, your your background, the band as well. Um how's your how's your morning going? You're coming in from from California. I of course am here in Atlanta. Um how's everything going? It was good. Yeah, it was a tough plane ride to get here. And then, you know, I took an Uber and then a bus and then uh, a man on a, a horse and cart took me here out to the weird desert slash beach area you got going. Um, but besides that, my morning's really nice and relaxing. I had a coffee. I made myself a little cappuccino with a little oat milk and uh, and my cats are being very cute. And they, they wanted a bunch of scratches, which makes me happy. So all is well, I guess. You you cannot go wrong when cats are being nice to you, especially. And yes, the cats will come back up later in this episode. Um, I will say my, my morning started off by cleaning up my own cat's barf, uh, which is always fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. Many mornings have started that way for me as well. Which is so fun on a weekend. You know, you, you sleep in a little mm-hmm. bit. You walk outside. You see uh, just a big pile of barf, not on the hardwood, only on the mm-hmm. carpet. Uh, of course, always on the carpet. And also, at least for me, I don't know if this happens to you, it's it's usually not me waking up and running into cat barf. It's typically about 5 a.m. and I will just start hearing the cat about to barf. And I will hop out of bed as if there's a fire and run over to the barf and uh, clean it up at that point in time. And there is nothing worse than the sound as well. 
it's not a great sound. I wouldn't put it, uh, yeah, on a on a dance track or anything. No, no, the worst alarm ever to say that. Um, uh, we are already off the rails, and I love it. <laughs> this is this is off to a fantastic start. Um, uh, Wait, this podcast is not about cat barf. <laughs> I thought. We will, oh, my mistake. We will, we will circle back around to the cat barf at the very okay, end, good. I promise. I have a lot more to say. <laughs> me too. Honestly, me too. Uh, okay, we, could, we could get too deep into it, but I digress. There, there's other things to talk about. Um, sure. To, to listen to a Wolves of Glendale song is, is a, a unique experience. It's going on a journey. A journey <laughs> mm-hmm. that includes, you know, really tight three-part harmonies, of course, great instrumental uh, musicianship, uh, some incredible jokes, some incredible concepts. And then by the end of it, I am now screaming at the top of my lungs something insane like <laughs> sacrifice a puppy for love or the city of Madrid does not exist. There is uh, truly it. A, a Wolves of Glendale song is is a journey unlike any other. And so. Of course, I had to to ask and see if you would be interested in chatting with me on this podcast because uh, truly, I have not been able to stop listening to to your guys' music for the last month or so. It is so catchy, and as of this recording, we are also celebrating a new single from you guys as well. Yes, sir. Loud ass car just came out. Yeah, two days ago. Uh, the video should be out in about a week, about eight days. Uh, and thank you for saying all that. That's really, really nice. You know, we're a pretty new band, so to hear that type of uh, feedback is is awesome because I, I think that's is exactly what we're going for, you know, that music comes first. And, you know, we always say, like, it's got to be a great song, even if you don't speak English. Um, pride ourselves on that. And then, you know, with any comedy that's going to last a few minutes, it has to escalate. So I guess the explanation for how ridiculous the songs become by the end is simply that if you're saying the same joke for three and a half minutes, it's going to be kind of mundane. So naturally, I think we're forced uh, to to follow that path into, yeah, these these <laughs> ridiculous uh, endings where you're, you're shouting things you probably shouldn't be. There's nowhere else to go but weird at the end of a, of a song like that, I imagine where you're like, we got to top ourselves, you know, in the bridge mm-hmm. or something. And, um, and, yes, and yeah. yes, loud ass car is the, is the brand new song, uh, which is again, a, a, a great song. Uh, just an, it, like all of your songs, an incredible earworm that like just mm-hmm. gets stuck, drilled into my brain in the best way. And not a, not a way that I'm like mad about. I'm always excited when I have a line from one of your songs stuck in my head um and yes the music video uh, you mentioned is coming out in about a week or so you said as of this record yes uh yeah i mean depending when this comes out of course but we're we're aiming for march 20th as the as the release date awesome and i uh have seen uh, a couple pictures that you guys have posted on on your instagram of some incredible uh haircuts and beards <laughs> That yeah, I still kind of have the remnants. You can see here the, this line. The fade. My fiance absolutely hated. Uh, it's 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 just it's a look unlike any other that I think fits what you are trying to do with the song, um, and yeah. and that's such such an exciting prospect because your other music videos have been great as well. So um, thank you. Definitely excited to to see that. Find out a little bit more about that process as well. I'm sure shooting a music video is is an interesting. Uh, 
undertaking as well. Um, but let's let's kind of jump in. Let's let's jump back in time a little bit. Great. Uh, back I, I, in time. Sorry, it's I'm not a great singer in the morning, but Huey Lewis in the news. Shout out. Never apologize for singing some Huey Lewis. Uh, <laughs> always welcome on this. Po- any most eighties bands are always welcome on this podcast. And, Turn it up in nineties as well. Let's let's be honest. Um, okay. But so you you of course are are in California right now. Um, you're from Florida originally. Yeah, uh, Miami. Awesome. So what what originally brought you out to to California? Uh, I mean, it was kind of a no-brainer because I went to college with Eric, who's also in the band uh, at Berkeley in Boston. And from there, it was kind of like we knew we wanted to do music and something else, possibly in entertainment, but really no clear aspirations. We just wanted to, to play music. And it was like we either got to go to New York or L.A., and then Austin actually was kind of like, oh, maybe could maybe Austin has something going on right now. But New York or L.A. was like, if you're really trying to just do this, like no safety net, 100 miles an hour, that's where you got to be. And I had been to New York a couple times just for like a day or two at a time to do a show. And I already I'm not going to say hated Boston because I, I did really love Boston. But being from South Florida, the winters destroyed me. I am not strong physically or strong-willed, I guess. I felt like my human, this whatever species of human I am, is not meant for the snow for more than like a few days. And the winters there are brutal and they're long. And so I was like, there's no chance I could live in New York, zero, because of the winter. And it's also kind of just chaotic. I know, I know tons of people who love New York, and, I, and, and this podcast certainly doesn't have to become L.A. versus New York, but I just knew L.A.'s weather is similar to South Florida's. And so if I can get, you know, entertainment industry uh, stuff there, then then great, I'll do that. And so I, I went and then basically proceeded to just beg Eric to move to L.A. because he moved to New York. Uh-huh. He chose. Yeah, he has family from there and stuff and and friends and and so he moved there and then so we were just talking on the phone all the time and uh because we had become you know kind of inseparable so to be separated from your inseparable friend is tough and so we were just talking on the phone all the time and he was basically just miserable uh not that I was doing well I was living on a friend's couch for six months when I came to LA but he was like doing shows and touring and stuff and just being miserable and and so I just told him, like, you got to get out here. I did. I just went to this comedy show and I just made this like weird comedy video and I entered it in this contest and it's doing well and, and you got to do it with me. And enough of my uh, bothering, enough of my annoying him worked and he moved out and then we lived together here in Glendale, actually. Nice. So you are the yeah. wolves of Glendale. That is an accurate statement. I, I do currently live in Glendale. I did when we started, which was last year. And Tom does as well, who's the third member. He did and still lives in Glendale. And, and Eric, like I said, lived in Glendale with me for a little while when we first came to L.A. And now lives in Burbank. Uh, so secrets out. We're not all in Glendale, California. He's very, very close. A 10-minute drive. So, uh, As somebody who's never been to California, I believe you. It's all the same to me. I, I, I'm, a, I'm an Atlanta boy through and through. New York sounds okay. terrifying to me yeah 
yeah, yeah. I, you know, again, I don't want to say anything unholy or whatnot. People love, people love New York, and I've been there during times of the year, specifically where it is extraordinarily nice. But, uh, but to live in the winter, in any sort of winter, just scares me. Yeah, of course. Uh, I, I, while I'm from Atlanta, I was born in Chicago. So maybe I've got some like cold in my blood. I think I, I like snow. Cool. Bit. Yeah, I don't, I, we don't get nice. we don't get much here, but I I wish we did. Um, so yeah, so you and Eric go way back. How did you guys mm-hmm. get involved with with Tom? So yeah, Tom um, was making musical comedy before us, um, before the Wolves, and he somebody tagged us on Instagram, uh, my, our old band, the Cooties, and they tagged one of his songs in their like Spotify wrapped up something like that, and so he checked us out and kind of became a huge Cooties fan and then wrote to us and was like, I love you guys. You guys are doing musical comedy the right way, you know, and, and then he was going to come visit LA cause he was thinking of moving here. And so he did come while we were still a band and like came to one of our rehearsals. And I just like, I just liked him off the bat, you know, cause it's also rare. You meet somebody else in music comedy that is like, really good at what they do like they take the music really seriously and the comedy as well and and it's just like a really chill dude uh or person i should say and so anyway we just became fast friends and then he like came to one of our shows and then we ended up uh breaking up you know the cooties ended and eric and i that was a very very difficult decision for us and then we just decided like all right we're just we're not a comedy band anymore no more comedy band we're just gonna like write scripts and act and do all these other things and then tom moved to la and i started hanging out with tom and then he house sat for me for like 10 days here in glendale and took care of my cats fell in love with my cats and then fell in love with glendale and was like dude i'm moving three minutes from you and i thought was kind of like half joking and then literally like a week later moved (laughs) and so then we started hanging out like a lot a lot a lot because we were right next to each other you know and so after we hung out a few times and jammed and wrote some tunes, like we, we wrote a, a song together. I was like, we got to get Eric in here. What are we doing? Let's just jam. And so the three of us came together. That was March 6th, 2022. They met for the first time. We wrote Vaping in Vegas that day. And then um, that was it. We had that discussion of like, okay, this is too much fun. This song is cool. We all think it. What are we going to do? Are we making a band? And if we are making a band, this needs to be legit. This needs to be a business, not just like a hobby for fun. And, you know, we're all older now and we've like learned many mistakes from our past experience. So it was really nice that we all had like the same exact like goals, mission statement. You know, we talked about it as if we were launching a pizza restaurant or something. It was like, this is how this is going to work. Here's how we're going to arrive on time. These are the dates we're working Um, so it's just been like super satisfying for me to, to be in this, like, I don't know what to call it, like corporate music comedy band. Yeah, totally. I think the, the corporate aspect that you mentioned is really interesting because you're coming at it from, from a, a, like an adult perspective. You're like, I, like, we know what we're trying to do. We, we know what we need to do to make it, to make it work. But Mm -hmm. it seems like you guys are still having a lot of fun with it as well. Oh yeah. Which is like that's the perfect the, the perfect blend of those things where you're like we we know that we're passionate about it we want to make it work, but it hasn't stale like it's still enjoyable which is great. Yeah, I mean, I firmly believe 
you know, they're, they're so tied together, right? Like when something is working and when everyone's helping each other out, it's way easier to have fun all the time. You know, it's only when, you know, people are either dropping the ball or, or, or just priorities are, are different that it becomes like, it's, it's more difficult to just kind of let your hair down and have a great time. Um, but, but, you know, playing music together, writing songs, performing, like the, the goals of the band or like the, I wouldn't say the bulk because all this other stuff does take a lot of time, but like just hanging out together, making music is like the most fun thing on the planet to us. So yeah, it only made sense to like, okay, how do we, how do we take care of business on the other side of things so that this remains as fun as it should? Yeah. I mean, I think that's such an important aspect of that. And, and like you said, like it's a, a year you guys have been doing it and, and it, it's, you guys have put out songs, music videos, you know, you've, you've gotten pretty big on, on social media, which is, which is great. And, um, and for all that to happen in a year is, is so incredible. Also happy, slightly late one year anniversary to you guys. Yes. Thank you. Happy um, wolf anniversary to wolf you. Wolf well. Yes, of course. Um, <laughs> it's, you mentioned how, how Tom actually found your, your band, the cooties. Um, mm-hmm. he like found a song that was on one of his friends, like rapped or something very similar to how I discovered the wolves of Glendale, um, oh. which I think is a, is a fascinating story for me. Um, so about a month, month and a half ago, I'm in the car with my girlfriend. Um, we've got a couple friends in the back seat. We're talking. We're just kind of chatting. She's driving. I'm in the front seat, which means I'm picking the music, of course. So I, I didn't take initiative. So I picked her discover weekly, you know, on Spotify. I was like, let's just play through it, whatever. And, uh, a couple songs go by. They're whatever. They're forgettable. And then, what I think is your your guys' first single, Olivia, is that was that your first song? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. That popped up on uh, on her little screen on the dashboard or whatever. And I distinctly remember seeing Olivia, which is her niece's name. So we were like, oh, oh look at the song title, whatever, cool. I remember hearing the the instrumental like. A beginning part and being like that's cool i like the sound of this had never have never heard of wolves of glendale didn't didn't know i also liked the album cover that was a a, a quick Thank note you. of like this is interesting that was my fiance's work amazing it's so exciting um and and so i heard the the instrumental clocked that that it was interesting and then went back to the conversation that was happening in the car and then fast forward maybe a minute minute and a half later we get to the second chorus and i and i hear where it comes back in, uh, I think the line is, uh, my girlfriend's a ghost, my mom doesn't get it. And I just heard mm-hmm. that, and I was like, wait, huh? <laughs> and so immediately I, I restarted the song from the very beginning. <laughs> I'm missing something. <laughs> yes, and listened to it all the way through and was cry laughing the entire time. And then for the rest of the day, I had it stuck in my head because it was so incredibly catchy and like every joke was also catchy in in melody form, which I, I hadn't really experienced before in in many ways. And so uh, I, I can relate to Tom's experience of like, wait, what what is this? Oh my god, this is like this is incredible. And then of course, right after that, I found Vaping in Vegas, uh, which was the the other single uh, out at the time, and proceeded to just uh, listen to them nonstop. I couldn't help myself. They were just they were just always in my head, always in my girlfriend's head as well. She's incredibly excited that we're chatting today. Oh. Um, she was she's working. Well, shout out. Right now. Yeah, Brittany. She's 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 great. Um, What's up, Brittany? Th- thank you. She'll appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I, I think it's I mentioned earlier, like 
the music is such a, a big part of what makes you guys great and and i've heard you you guys mention on another podcast uh, i did a little bit of research for this wow i do some more look at you um uh, you guys you guys called your music kind of a, a secret weapon for yourselves a little bit like is sure. is that because people are maybe surprised when they see you perform that you guys are so good and like tight as a band i think the meaning of that is simply that we perform in la most of the shows we're performing at are comedy shows. So, you know, it's like four stand-ups go up and do 10 minutes and then we'll go up. They'll usually put us to close because we have a bunch of gear, you know? Um, so I think the secret weapon aspect of it is simply that when we start playing, you can't help but be like, what the hell is going on here? Because, you you know, you didn't experience anything like this for the entire show. And then these guys start kind of you know, grooving, you know, ripping and, and it's a, you know, yeah, that, I think that's why we, we call it a secret weapon, not, you know, not, not trying to like, uh, sound narcissistic in some sort of way. It's just like a cheat code. You know, you, if you start playing, you know, the Olivia intro is a good example actually, because it sounds so familiar. It sounds so like, Oh, this is like a Jackson Brown song or like a Hall and Oates song or something. You're like, instantly something goes off i think in people's heads or they're like i like this this is nice <laughs> that's that's so funny that's 100 percent how i felt <laughs> yeah yeah so in that way it's kind of like a great uh magnet you know to the audience where it's just like oh okay i'll give this a shot this sounds this sounds nice i trust these guys which is kind of just it's tough as a stand-up to go up there and for the first thing that you say to have everyone in the room be like i'm on this person's side you know, you have to kind of win them over sometimes in that uh, medium. But for us, it's just way easier to just be like, oh, we'll just play these chords. And Eric's one of the best drummers in the world. So everyone's going to be nodding their heads. And all right, we're cool. I, you mentioned Eric being a fantastic drummer. And I want to talk about that. Because uh, not to leave out Tom, by the way, Tom course. is also an extraordinary musician songwriter. Of course, uh, you guys are all fantastic, really talented, great singers. Oh, I, uh, I stink, but the two, those two guys are really, really good. Uh, and I, I speak from the perspective of somebody who's not a musician, not a performer. We talked about this uh, off air uh, before we started recording, but uh, there's something inherently cool when somebody can play an instrument, guitar, piano, and sing at the same time. But is there something inherently even cooler when it's drums? I want to. Mm. I want your perspective because it's it's a little bit more yep. rare. I would go ahead and say, yep. Uh, I I just love the drums. I, you know, there's no way to hide it. It's just so super badass. And I've you know ever since I was little, I've just been obsessed with uh, with drummers and drum parts in rock songs. And you know, I I I, I could hate bands based on their drummer, even if they have <laughs> great songs. Name names. <laughs> I will not. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's just such a huge component of, of music. So, um, so yeah, you know, to have somebody... And, and it's usually, you're right, it's just rare, I think, that, that a drummer will be singing. So to do what Eric does is just, you know, even for Tom and I sometimes, like, fascinating and, and really exciting to, to, to watch. Like, he, he sings such tight harmonies, too. Like, his harmonies are so good. And I love yeah. the, the drum pad. And obviously, like, I'm sure he's a traditional drummer, you know, by trade, probably. But yes. is that just an ease of, of travel type thing, a mobile right. setup? Correct. That, that's right on the money. I mean, the, we speak of our band in phases, which makes us sound like egotistical uh, MCU 
uh, <laughs> type guys. But, but yeah, the plan is like at the right phase of the band, we will convert to, to Eric playing more on the drum set. Um, I mean on the recordings he's, he's playing drum set, yeah. you know, but, um, but yeah, we, you know, to, to, to set up a drum set at some of these shows or travel with it is like a huge pain in the ass and expense. So we, we on purpose have tried to minimize everything gear wise, you know, so that we can just travel with like one suitcase, one suitcase each or, or whatnot. And I imagine it also helps <clears throat> with the drums specifically, because there are some, some songs that have more of like a, like an electro drum type, yes. type feel. And so you're able to kind of have that like 80s synthy like new wave vibe uh big time that, that does like you said earlier sounds familiar oh yeah no there's been huge advantages to it there's no doubt about it i mean one again it, he looks even more like a unicorn like a badass like what the fuck is going on because you just don't see people play the the spds shout out to roland uh pad the way that he does you know usually it's like hidden near a snare drum or a hi-hat and they'll just use it for like certain moments in a song he's carrying the entire sometimes 45 minutes to an hour set using this pad switching sounds for each song customizing sounds and then singing so yeah there's there's absolutely gigantic advantages to it um which we are trying to exploit while also doing like drum solos and stuff too oh like, yeah I, it doesn't it doesn't really compute in my brain and I think that's so cool. And I think I'm also a little bit like inclined to think that's cool. I one of the I'm, I'm a writer uh, on my you know outside of work stuff, and the the first book that I ever wrote over the pandemic was about Phil Collins, kind of. You know, Sick. it's it's uh, it's a fiction story. It's about a death metal Phil Collins cover band. But the idea of like I, throughout the process, of course, I became a legitimate fan of Phil Collins just by listening to him doing research and stuff. And so, oh, yeah, the the dude was an incredible drummer and sang. And like, I think I have just that in my brain as the coolest thing ever. And so, yep. yeah, Eric is. I, I think you're right about that. I think I'm going to agree with you. Okay. Yeah. And I, I got it. Read this story. Phil Collins, death metal cover band. Uh, That's all I need. Awesome. I'm in. I'm working on the print version right now. We'll send you a copy as soon as it's Hell done. yeah. <laughs> Love that. Um, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, and kind of in speaking along those same lines, I'm super curious about what your, both the bands and your personal like influences are, you know, both, both hmm. musically, but also maybe from like a writing, you know, uh, comedy standpoint as well. Because I know those are two separate, very separate uh, trains of thought. Sure. Um, I mean, I, you know. I'm not going to completely speak for the guys, of course. I can only speak for me. But I will say that when we started the band, part of the conversation was genre. Because with our previous band, we would just write whatever in any genre. And we wanted everything about the band to be easily uh, swallowable, swallowable, if that's a word. Um, go down smooth. And so the genre was a big thing where it's like, okay, what's the Venn diagram of our interest like what's the thing that we all love we if, we if we could be in any type of band what would it be and we were all kind of like the foo fighters the killers like just like you know cool rock band type of shit with like some retro vibes to it 1975 is another you know thing that comes up a lot where it's like god you know they're doing it so well where it's like the song kind of sounds like it's from the 80s but it's also so new and crisp and cool um so anyway musically for the wolves that's kind of what we were going for and then i mean me personally 
I also, I mean, as far as I, I like all kinds of music, you know, really, but, um, but I, I probably grew up uh, like a rock, rock kid, you know, I was in rock bands sure. since I was like 12. Um, but I loved everything from Rage Against the Machine to Dave Matthews, to the Beatles. Um, so it gets kind of all over the place, I guess. Uh, Green Day was a huge one for me. They're the best. Um, and then comedically, I mean, probably just the same stuff that everybody loves, the same movies and stand-ups, you know, I think Dumb and Dumber is a masterpiece. Uh, you know, all those Jim Carrey movies early on were fucking great. And uh, Chris Rock, you know, I know he just came out with a new special, which was great, but I loved him when I was little too. And Chappelle and I mean, I don't know. I just ate up comedy SNL. It's like a big deal for me. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, and, and you mentioned also before we started recording that you're a, a huge movie fan as well. And so I'm sure you, yeah. you pull influences from that world out, even outside of just comedy, I'm sure, because you know, the film world is huge and more so than just a dumb and dumber, which Yes, I'm with you. That was like the the movie I grew up on 100%. I was a, yeah. I was a preacher's kid, so we weren't allowed to watch a lot of movies. Mm. But we snuck that one that in. It was an exception. Yeah. Yeah, we had that on VHS and I remember I just watched the hell out of that so many times. My dad is just like a huge movie guy. He wanted to just go to the movies all the time and I was I'm the oldest, so we would just go like once a week to see movies. Sometimes we would leave a movie and he'd be like, "You want to just walk into another movie?" Are you okay with that? And I'd be like, "Yeah." absolutely and so yeah we would just see we would see any you know we would just go without a plan and just see whatever is whatever looks good um so i have to thank him for that because that absolutely you know created my obsession that's so cool hearing and i and i'm i'm somebody who is a huge fan of the theater experience i think it's such an important part of the of the process of you know of taking it in you know and so to hear that you know you've got your your dad just doing double features with you randomly mm -hmm. that's the mm -hmm. that's like the dream as a kid I, yeah. I i did see a lot it was of, awesome i saw a lot of movies with my dad as well but we he wasn't quite the the film fan he just liked going to the theater every once in a while um mm -hmm. but as an adult i've uh i discovered like a decade ago going to the movies alone and it was the most freeing experience of my life like it was nice. like oh i can just do this i can just go it's legal for me to just have popcorn to all to myself and uh yeah watch a war movie okay exactly not bad and then that was also the 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 era of uh movie pass if you got to take advantage oh, of man. movie pass as well yeah that was crazy crazy times crazy times i wish we could go back to them that was, I, mm -hmm. I saw i saw so many movies of course yeah that what well, speaking of legal that felt crazy illegal. I I think I <laughs> made no sense. I think I helped bankrupt them. Yeah, like, good fully. good on you. Hey, I knew it wasn't gonna last. I gotta take advantage where I could. In in 2018, I saw 131 movies in theaters. Wow, that's impressive. I I didn't do much that year outside of it. <laughs> uh, yeah, you did. You gained film XP, my dude. I leveled up a few times. I hope I you hope. leveled up. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. That was research, dog. Exactly. And I did it all for free, which is mm -hmm. the best part, you know? That's that's still what I call when I watch movies. I'm like, well, this is research. I'm just doing research. I I, I have to watch... Uh, I have to watch the... What's that James Bond movie? Uh, no Time to the Die. The poker one. 
Oh, Casino Royale. Uh, Casino Royale. It's like I, I need to watch that for a third time because I need to know. I have to have it in my blood. I watched that earlier this year with my girlfriend. She had never seen it, and it's still awesome. It's a good time. It's a great time. It's a great time. <laughs> Um, You mentioned earlier that uh, you you had interest, maybe some experience in in writing screenplays as well. Is that something that that you're you're interested in still pursuing as well? Yeah, yeah. I've uh, I'm always writing. I I try to get better at that all the time. Um, Yeah, I I think early on in the in the cooties uh, process, Eric and I really just fell in love with writing and realized that we have some decent knack at it and uh and just that one of the main goals was to have our own show you know have our own tv show where we could you know kind of uh highlight music in a way that maybe hasn't been done before and so we knew that if we can write scripts it'll only kind of contextualize the the tunes better um so we we started writing and we made kind of a pilot because a company asked us to um, and that was super fun. You can watch that online. It's called Dad Friends, and it's absolutely insane. It was the first thing we ever wrote, and it's a very weird experience to have the first thing you ever <laughs> write get made. Uh, because at that point, we just thought like, "Oh, this is how this is how it works. No matter what we write, it's going to get funded and filmed for sure," uh, which is totally the opposite of the actual world. Uh, but at that time, you know, it was like the beginning of the cootie, so people were, you know. Uh, interested I guess anyways uh, but ever since then we've been writing and um, we ended up selling a a show the cooties to freeform it didn't end up going but you know we did get to sell you know or or write a script like for a network so that was like exciting and like really forced us to hone in on I think on the process Um, and so now we're we're trying to do it again you know we're we're writing scripts together and separate um, both you know like tv format and and for film and just uh it's just the dream i just feel like for for eric and i specifically like just if we could get paid to write scripts we'd be so happy that's so cool and and congrats on on selling a script like that's such a cool feeling Uh, yeah it was about 37 years ago but i do appreciate that i mean it's a good feeling either way somebody yep acknowledged that that they want something that you've created you know and that's never going to not feel good um, yes. Yeah. No, it's uh, the small wins. I uh, do feel humongous. I will say like anytime we get paid to write anything or, you know, it's just like, holy crap, <laughs> it happened. Yeah. It's, 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 I can't believe it. That's like the best feeling, you know, and, and I cannot wait to check out dad friends. Yeah. Yeah. Let me know what you, uh, let me know what you think. We, we thought, cause we, we ran into, uh, we, we, we became friends with Reggie Watts kind of early on in, in that band. And, we were joking with him after a show in a parking lot about this concept where it was just dads, like just filming something where we had babies that were like dolls, but we acted like they were real. And then we would just hurt them a bunch. And that was the entire, we honestly just wanted to film like a two minute sketch of us just like accidentally dropping babies. That was it. But, uh, but at that time he was with this production company called Jash and they had this deal with Verizon Go 90 where they were asking for like full like 22 minute, you know, pilots. And Reggie was like, oh, you got it. They, these guys have an idea. You should make them do it. And they were like, OK, great. You know, so he was Reggie's in it. And we <laughs> Eric and I basically dragged out this stupid two minute concept into 22 minutes. So anyways, that's why it's kind of a uh, 
surreal experience. I mean, that's impressive in and of itself of taking a two minute idea and then like truly creating an episode of TV out of that. Like that's Mm -hmm. that seems difficult. But I imagine it was also probably pretty fun <laughs> at the same time. Yeah, yeah. No, it was super fun. It was just crazy fun. Loved it. And and you mentioned uh, you're, you're friends with Reggie Watts uh, as well. And uh, I didn't mention this at the beginning, but you guys have opened up for like Tenacious D and, and had some some really cool shows and, and gigs and stuff. Um, how did you guys get in touch with, with those guys? Um, so that was mainly through Kyle. So Eric started playing because, you know, like I said, he's, uh, in-demand drummer and um kyle has a solo band called the kyle gas project uh, or no the kyle gas band sorry and um and he uh, started playing with them and uh you know eventually he told him and and john spiker who plays bass in that band and he plays bass in tenacious d for like a decade and produces a lot of their stuff as well um he's kind of the third member I would say well the whole band honestly they're all very tight I think but anyway so Eric started playing with them and then we started this band and so Eric was just kind of like planting the seed of like you know I have a comedy band we're kind of good I don't know if you ever need anything like that but you know and so after he became close with Kyle it was just uh yeah it was it was a miracle that it happened he he, the whole reason we opened for them these two nights in, in Vegas for New Year's was because Kyle uh, Kyle really vouched for us and and because he had come to shows you know Kyle's been to like three or four Wolves shows so he he knew what we were all about um, but it was it was unbelievable we none of us really thought it was going to happen like uh, and then we, we kind of gave up hope uh, and then like literally like two months I think it was in October or like somewhere somewhere too close <laughs> to New Year's we found out like it's actually happening so it was it was crazy I never realized that it was a New Year's Eve show. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. that's two nights. Nice. That's and, and in Vegas as well. Yep, yep. At the Virgin Hotel and Theater, it was like it was unbelievable. And you know, all of us obviously have been huge Tenacious D fans since we were little, and then just gigantic Jack Black fans as well. He's kind of just I don't know, you know. Anyway, legendary figure, you know. So so to have him come into our green room and be like, great work. I love you guys. What's up? <laughs> it was like, Oh my God, <laughs> that's got to feel so surreal. Yeah. Yeah. It was really, it was really effed. I'm not, it's so effed. So incredibly Crazy effed. effed up. I, uh, yeah. I, I have, did not ask how old you are, but mm-hmm. I, Thank you. I imagine. So I love Jack Black as well. And my, mm-hmm. my thing was I was in middle school when school of rock came out and it was yeah. like, the greatest movie of all time of when it came out. Yep. And I, and I, I've mentioned that I wasn't a musician, but I had friends that were really good musicians and were like into the classic rock phase in middle school. Like a lot of kids were. And so mm-hmm. like school of rock coming out was the perfect storm of everything for them. And so since then I've like, you just love Jack black. He's the best dude. It's the best the absolute goat unstoppable force. So I'm glad I say it enough. I'm glad that, 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 streak continues with him good for him let's give him a round of applause oh my god he's so unbelievable even at soundcheck by the way i i we were there like waiting to soundcheck while they're soundchecking and he goes hard at sound he's like still jumping around you know cartwheels like belting the vocals as if the place is packed um 
I don't know. It just blew me away. So much energy. So energetic. Yeah. Um, and, and and speaking of Vegas, you you mentioned mm-hmm. that you guys wrote your second single, Vaping in Vegas, at your first ever Wolves of Glendale practice. Yeah. How did that how did that even come about? Man, that's a good question. Um so Tom, I remember had the part like we were like, anybody got anything? That's kind of how a lot of the you know, rehearsals will start. And Tom was like, I have this kind of cool kind of eighties like bum and Eric and I were like, Yep. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> so I don't know. I think um you know, we probably just started jamming on it and somebody yelling stuff out until it gets a laugh. And, um, and I don't know if the verse came first or I, I can't remember what came first, but, but you know, vaping in Vegas is probably just something somebody said and or sang and everyone was like, that's hilarious. Like, well, that's got to be the tune. And then, you know, we just built it from there. It, it feels almost like we're not writing it most of the time like once once you start it's like oh there is a correct path here to take we just have to figure out what it is it's like a little rubik's cube and and with each like verse each chorus like you just keep topping yourself with each joke does it come from just making each other laugh and then you're like let's keep this this works yeah i mean we all have to you know it has to be unanimously funny or good or or serve a purpose of information, you know, give a certain piece of information we didn't know before or say something in a different way that makes it funnier or, you know, there's, there's like a criteria, you know, it has to sing well. Like sometimes we have a funny line, but it sings like shit. And so then, you know, you got to find a different way of saying it, you know, and then of course there's like rhyme scheme stuff. Um, so there is kind of like, yeah, a criteria we all have to meet, but, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of the that's kind of the riddle of it or like the the problem solving of it is like once like you can't start crazy funny you know i think that's why also like some of the songs start random where it's like it's not funny but we're kind of just like setting the table at the beginning and and you know that can be funny in and of itself like i think baby in vegas starts uh you know saying that it's uh, i'm 68 years old and you know uh, I just I just had a divorce and I hate my kids. So it's like that's already no one starts a song that way. That doesn't make sense. But for a comedy song, it's like oh okay, so these are the facts of the situation. It's already kind of funny, and so now we have to make it more ridiculous. It makes the payoff th- that much better when the setup isn't even like a joke in and of itself. You're just kind of explaining mm-hmm. what the premise is, and then that when that first chorus hits of, of a lot of your songs, that's when like. I feel like the first big laugh comes. It's mm-hmm. just like, oh, oh, oh my God. And then you're singing along mm-hmm. to it as well because it's just stuck in your head. There's also, I think, just something innately funny about hitting almost any kind of chorus in a comedy song, If you know? Because there's just like a, yeah, like that realization moment of like, really, this is what the song's about? Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm here for okay. it. <laughs> didn't Didn't know that, that you would commit a whole song to, you know this thing but focus sure but i'm here for it um and and, uh you mentioned like maybe uh tom came with an idea for 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 that initial 
keys part uh, for vaping in mm-hmm. Vegas. Is there kind of a, a typical starting point for your songs? Does it start with like a melody like that, or does it start from maybe a, a, a comedy idea of? Uh, I'm just curious, like how that how that process. It's it's works. happened it's happened both ways. Like with loud ass car, I think I just said the beginning of practice or somewhere that you know I just we should write a song about when these people drive by and it's so freaking loud because I can't stand it. And, you know, Eric and I have talked about that actually a million times already, but, you know, we just needed a, something for a new song. So so that one I think started with the concept first and then it was like decided on like, oh, well, it should be like an upbeat number. Like we should be like really proud and like into our car then and then, you know, approach it from that way. But But it happens the other way just as often where, you know, like we had a song recently where Tom came in again and just had this like beautiful piano part that just sounded like an awesome, like a Keen song. If you know the band Keen, yeah, exactly. I love Keen. <laughs> Nobody ever shouts yeah. out Keen. Shout out Keen. Let's go. We all love Keen here at Wolves of Glendale Incorporated. Um, so, so we knew right away like that's got to be a tune. You know, Let, let's let's flush this out and then. We tried writing it like four times about like we literally wrote four songs, complete songs to <laughs> to Tom's, you know, to that whole idea. And then uh, they just weren't each time we would play. It, it just wasn't hitting. It wasn't that funny or it would, you know, we take a week and then play it again. It's like, ugh, it's just not something about it. But then finally we we actually performed it and realized it's not that funny which was very rare. We usually will not perform something unless we're really into it. But then uh, we came back and, and figured out that it should just be about something else, um, which was uh, about cash, about just giving me cash on my birthday. Don't overthink it. Don't give me something cute or funny or just everyone give me cash. I need money. That's a, a, uh, a fantastic setup. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, anyway, to answer the question, it's like, it, you never know. It could come from a riff it could come from a, a yeah comedic concept. It works both ways. It's some, uh, that brings up an interesting point. Something that I, I hadn't really thought about. You know, with obviously with music and comedy kind of mixing together, uh, you you can obviously post that online. You can post videos, but like those live performances, that is the easiest kind of quickest way to to get feedback. And I imagine mm-hmm. I imagine it's probably not a, a typical feeling for, for you guys, you know, playing a song and then realizing that it's actually not as funny as you wanted it to, because I, I can imagine it's probably very easy to see people laughing and having a great time when you guys perform as well. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like I said, I think we're, the three of us are pretty good barometers, you know, because I, all it honestly takes is one of us to say, I'm not really into it. I don't think this is that funny. And that's, that's literally it. It's just, you know, once somebody mentions it, then it's out there and it's like, yeah, we can probably beat it. You know, that's always the, this isn't good enough or whatever. Um, but, but, you know, sure. You know, what's the, there's nothing better than trying out a song for the first time and getting people like laughing and cheering and telling you after the show, like, I love that new song. Like that's, that's the best, you know, that's the best feeling. Cause it's like, Oh, thank God. We don't have to, <laughs> we don't have to rewrite that shit again. <laughs> Yeah, save yourself a little bit of time in the long run. Um, yeah. I'm curious what you're like in 2023 in in the music industry, the internet industry, the you know the uh, comedy world. Like what what's the strategy these days? Is it like 
is an album still a thing that people want to to purchase or consume or is it more like you know music videos singles uh mm-hmm. youtube shorts like like what is the kind of marketing yeah, strategy a, there it's a tough question it's a tough you know we we sort of struggle with it all the time but i think we've we've struck a good balance of kind of doing both right where like on one side it's all the stuff you really want to do you know um like for us that's like music videos for example where it's like it's a perfect encapsulation of our concept you know there's a visual part of it that's really funny you know and and we want to act and you know just show the jokes it just makes it way funnier um is it the most uh effective online uh (laughs) victory like no like you know the the parodies for example that we do get way more views so far than our music videos because people probably don't want to watch a full five minute music video on instagram or on tiktok or whatever you know and i we get that and we understand it tom especially is like very very social media savvy and so we we try to accomplish both right we try to like do certain things consistently that are very short form low lift that's still fun for us uh but but more so geared towards views and growing you know the social media and stuff like that and then there's also like but here are the things that we really really want to do that if you become a fan of wolves of glendale maybe you came to us because you heard you know old doritos but then you look into the band and it's like, oh shit, like, you know, this music video is nothing like that, but I like this too. Then it's like, okay, so you get what we're really spending our time doing, what we think is the, you know, our, our, our strong suit, I guess. So, I, you know, I, I think it's just following what we really love and then also trying to strategize ways that we can, you know, be effective uh, on social media that you know yeah it's just like a, a, a low lift you know something that maybe won't take a week the way like maybe writing a song will but it will serve a purpose you know it's almost like you it's almost like a one for you one for them type, yeah we're type. very scorsesean exactly <laughs> um <laughs> which you know kind of brings me to my next question with with your music videos which are great and like great concepts of course you're you got the facial hair the haircut you know you're really putting some work in there is is this like how how directly are you guys involved like are you guys directing it are you guys like what's how how is the filmmaking process for those uh no we we outsource um because we want someone in charge that takes it as serious as we do the music and we know we're not at that level so so no we you know shout out to Ben Joyner Ben did uh did Olivia and now he's done loud ass car um i think co-directing this one with his buddy henry the two of them i actually met because they did a music video called plaza with the cooties um and they just are they just impressed the hell out of me at that point in time because of how i i I think i respect like work ethic more than anything and they just put so much work they were just willing to just go above and beyond and spend like four or five days shooting and then just like uh, illegally setting up in parking lots and like having security come up to them and you know just stuff that i i don't know if i have the balls to do and so ever since then i was like 
I love this guy. <laughs> this is my dude. I will follow Ben into fire. If he says to have the worst haircut and facial hair on the planet, I will absolutely do it because I know it'll come out dope. And how long did um, you have to have that that facial hair and haircut or facial hair at this point? Yeah, the yeah, it was it was five days, maybe four days, something like that. It's no no big deal. Not a, happily do it again. Not a short amount of time though. <laughs> no, no, would have been easier if I was single. Uh, <laughs> that is true. Beyonce did not appreciate my face at that point in time. Uh, but uh, but yeah, and then the second one was uh, our buddy Lucas, a good buddy of ours, Lucas Bollinger, um, who you know we just basically invited to to come to Vegas with us and just document everything and put together a music video. And he did an absolutely bang up job. He's the man. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, we, we have say in that we'll always give notes when we see cuts. If we, if we think something can be better, we all have, you know, I think similar tastes, like we all usually agree on what we want out of a video, but, um, but you know, it's, we, we also love these guys and, and love their creativity. And so we know, whatever they're planning is going to be sweet. So we kind of let them do what they do. That's the fun part about collaboration and like working with people that you not only like, but whose work you respect and, and who, like you said, whose work ethic you respect and you know that they're going to work hard for you. So you'll work hard for them. And I think that's like yep. the, the, the sweet spot of, of that kind of stuff. And then you don't have the pressure of doing it yourself. You know, you've got somebody who you trust, mm -hmm. which is, and then I, I should also shout out um, forever holiday, which is a production company run by, a couple, uh, Luke and Bailey, who, you know, produced Olivia and now Loud Ass Car, and they're just absolutely unbelievable, hardworking, lovable people, super sweet. And yeah, it just takes, you know, that that's definitely one thing with this band that we talk about all the time, where it's like every piece of the, the team has to be so solid and so accountable and, and you know, respect everybody. And, um, and that way, just the, the, yeah, the, the product just comes out so much better and, and the process is so much more fun. And it's just good vibes all around. That's the important part. Yeah, yeah, like, definitely. Like nobody's nobody's mad or mean or... I mean, they might be mad about certain things outside of people's control. That happens with any sort of... <laughs> they do a good job of keeping it in if that's the case. <laughs> exactly, there, sure. Um, I I want to ask you a question that I try to ask every guest because everybody has a different answer. And, and I think that's kind of the fun part about a question that's this wide open and vague but what in your in your world makes a good story whether it's you know a, a book or a tv show or a movie like i'm sure you consume lots of different forms of stories but i'm just curious in the broadest terms like what makes a good story i think i'm somewhat obsessed with or or i i get really excited about the release of information i think learning something new at the right time is like extraordinarily impressive and in ways that you didn't expect, you know, to, you know, it's cliche, I guess, but like when you can recognize the exposition so clearly, it kind of takes you out a little bit, but if you can do it in creative ways and you can keep me kind of hooked, you know, into a mystery, because there's like different kinds of, it doesn't have to be like a murder mystery. There's like all kinds of mysteries that you can set up, you know, if, uh, if a guy's, you know, walking into his house and he gets the mail and he looks at it and he's a little disappointed and then walks in like, okay, so already there's some sort of mystery happening. What did he look at that is pissing him off? Right. Um, 
and then maybe we learn a little bit more because somebody says something about that in the house and then, okay, you know? Um, so I think that's one thing that I'm, I'm always trying to keep in mind is just like, what does the audience know? What can we sprinkle in at what point in time? Um, and then, uh, I don't know, I guess I would say character stuff. I like, you know, I like when, you know, I, I like movies that there's not a lot of frills going on, even though, you know, I've, I've, I love Top Gun and, you know, like James Bond we were talking about and all this kind of shit too. But the movies I really like super geek on are like the, like uh, Hateful Eight, for example, where it's like, we're just in this one place for three hours and the movie is good. How is that possible? Um, I just watched uh, Women Talking because uh, the Oscars are today. And that was another one where I was just like, oh my God, you know, just like overwhelmed with how awesome it is that you can make a movie that's compelling. That's just because of the character. The characters are so strong and you end up caring about several different characters and their experience and their perspective. So I think that's another one where it's like you have to really think about you know, a few layers of, of your character and where they're from and, you know, their personality and all this stuff so that when they start talking, it doesn't sound like four versions of you <laughs> talking to themselves. Exactly. Just, uh, just three versions of Colby stacked on top of one of, one of another, like just yeah. saying things that Colby would say. Nobody wants that. Uh, right. You're right. absolutely right. Like characters are such a, an important part of, of any kind of story. But I, I love your first point of like, the the dissemination of information in a story like how important that is and how much it can take you out of a story when it's lazy or obvious or, or just boring as well that's a that's, mm -hmm. that's something that always takes me out of a theater experience if i'm in a long movie and then all of a sudden i'm noticing like this dude's been explaining this technology for the last five minutes i don't need this you know like i don't care about that <laughs> I, yeah give me something else please but but it, along the same lines in the in the opposite way when you're experiencing that in a movie theater and you don't even notice that's mm -hmm. it's the best it's the best feeling and then maybe you realize it after the fact you're walking out of the theater on your drive back home or something and you're like wait how'd they do that like it, mm -hmm. it makes you kind of question the whole experience in a in a really cool way i think yeah yeah definitely i i yeah i think that is super important to me and i and i love when it's done really well that sticks with me for a long time and makes me rewatch and just try to study like how did they you know like i remember when knives out came out that was like the main thing that i was obsessed with where it's like he's giving you these pieces of information at these specific times how did he do that <laughs> it's like a magic trick it's like a puzzle and i'm terrible at puzzles uh, that's that's what i've learned as an adult but like when, mm. when you, uh, you you're right like when you watch a movie just like knives out like when i experience something like that it makes me want to go like write something and try something maybe not necessarily something to that like level of complexity but it's always an mm -hmm. inspiring feeling of like god stories are cool you know i know yeah like showing you what's possible makes you want to go home and attempt it for sure yes and although that, i do also get the the other side of it where like with women talking where i'm like oh well i'm an idiot so there's no i have no chance now of writing anything that will be ever really close to this so am i not allowed to write or how does that work now you're right i should i should just quit that, that is the other feeling that you that you have when you see something really good or take in something really good you're like either really inspired you're like oh this is amazing like stories are great anybody can do this or <laughs> Oh my God, this was so good. How could I ever do something this good? 
you know? And yeah, I go, I go very quickly from like, <laughs> I want to write something just as brilliant as Knives Out to, oh, I need to make a stupid rock song about having a stomach ache. That's all that I can do. That's my only addition here to, yeah, it's all I can provide. It's little wins, you know, little wins where you can get them. That's the important mm-hmm. part. Um, I, I, I think that's, <laughs> I think that's great. And, and yes, I think we could talk movies probably for hours. Like I, there's so much stuff there story wise, you know, uh, production wise, all that. Um, I will, I will spare our audience. That's for another podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I think the thing that I, I always like to end uh, our our episodes with, whether it's you know a, a mainline episode of, of small stories or these new fireside chats, I think story spotlights are still an important part of the of the process. So we we can kind of give our listeners something to walk away with that they can check out. Um, and so I mentioned it to you before we started recording. Is there anything that you have ready? I've got one prepared. If you would like me to go ahead, it's up to you. I've got two. Two, I love if it. If I may. Please. I, okay. Two is, is plenty. I love it. Go ahead. So my family's from Argentina. So uh, there's a couple Argentinian films that I don't know if you've seen or your audience has seen, but I would highly recommend. One of them is up for best uh, foreign language film this year. It's called Argentina 1985. And it's really, really good. It's based on a true story. I just saw it yesterday. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. And then the main... Uh, actor from that movie is also in another movie about two con men called nine queens uh absolutely adore this movie i've seen it multiple times you know it's it's kind of a the sting type of thing but like more modern and cool and in argentina and it's like one guy is a you know uh like newcomer grifter con man and this other guy like sees him do a con and he's like this guy has talent i'm gonna take this guy under my wing you know and so anyway those those two i would highly recommend nine queens and argentina 1985 i have wanted to check out uh the argentina the first one argentina 1985 uh, for a while have not had the chance to yet so this is definitely moving it to the top of my to watch next list Uh, and that that other one sounds amazing i love it it sounds like a very cool movie yeah, yeah. I would uh I think I like that one more just cuz uh I don't know. It uh I just love that kind of stuff, sure. you know. Any con movie like done really well, it's like, oh jeez. There's not much of a better experience like that. Yeah. Like give me the original Ocean's 11, I'll watch that a thousand times. I I'm, I'm telling you this movie rivals it. I know it's big words. I love Ocean's 11 also, but check out Nine Queens. Tell me what you think. Okay. It's so freaking great. I 100% will. I'm very, very excited. Check that out. My uh, my story spotlight is a movie that I saw in theaters a couple nights ago as of uh, this record, which was the new Scream movie, Scream 6. Oh, okay. Um, which it's for, as I'm a fan of horror movies myself, but it's pretty rare in a horror franchise that uh, the movies start to get good again at 5 and 6. Mm-hmm. But, but against all odds, uh, it wow. has happened with the Scream franchise. It... Uh, it's great. The sixth one is is very fun. I love kind of the the meta rules, the like just film like uh, jokes, in jokes, all that stuff. The chase scenes, uh, the 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 ghost face mask is just iconic at this point. I think it's it's fun and totally. It's a good movie. I I wish I didn't like it as much as I did, but it was just like this is it this is this is it and and yeah i'm here for 10 of them if they get to double digits like like the good fast and the furious franchise 
uh, a good comparison uh-huh. of any any successful franchise. Uh, getting to ten is a big one, um, I think. But yeah, yeah, I think that's definitely uh, that's my. That's do you want to? Do you want to also go on record since we're on this about uh, the, the Oscars and just you know now people will know, but they'll see if we ac- accurately predicted who wins best picture. I love that. Let's let's do a little bit of game. Yeah, let's do that. Um okay. I there are I think maybe two in the best picture uh category that I've not seen. Mm-hmm. But what I am truly rooting for is for everything everywhere all at once to just same sweep. Okay. Let's hope that that happens uh especially in the best actress. Uh I think Michelle Yeoh really deserves that. But uh but yeah, okay, so we're both, we have cemented our decisions, and now if we're wrong, people can uh, think that we're idiots for the rest of time. They certainly might think that anyway, but... Good call. But I I love that movie. It was uh, it was amazing. I actually, the, uh, the episode probably right before this one, maybe the two before, depending on when this one comes out, um, I did a Story Spotlight episode on Everything Everywhere All at Once, just unreal as kind of a deep dive into it because i was like i need to talk about this more so i rewatched it for a third time um at home with my girlfriend and cried for the third time it it just breaks me in the best way Mm -hmm. yeah it's the best and and not to say that there weren't other great movies that came out last year of course there were some no there weren't fantastic (laughs) nope that's wrong none we gotta stick to our, our our predictions there's one great movie and everything else was bad yes Everything else is the worst movie ever made. You heard it here first. Yeah, we're start- tied for the worst. We're starting beef with the Oscars here on S'more Stories. And thank you, Ethan. Come at us, Oscars. <laughs> Ethan will slap you like Will Smith slapped Chris, Chris Rock. <laughs> I'm always willing to uh, dive into violence just uh, for anything. It's always just boiling under the surface for me. Ask anybody. Okay, I will. <laughs> um, so I guess the last thing to 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 do for the for this episode is just plugs what are you working on right now of course we've got the loud ass uh car single out right now we've got hopefully by the time this uh, this episode is out the music video will hopefully be out as well um oh yeah what else are you working on um i mean i'm working on stuff but it's you know not necessarily forward facing so i would just say to yeah check out the wolves tell everybody about the wolves and come out to see us if you get the chance and you know that's that's definitely that's the thing. That's the thing right now. We're 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 pushing. We're working hard on. So, if listen if, to it. If you had share it to, with your family. If you had to pick one of the three singles currently out for a mm. person who's never heard of the Wolves of Glendale to listen to, what would you suggest? Man, that's. I like all three, so I can't choose. It's like choosing Maybe my favorite the, child that I that I will never have. Yeah, I I would probably say the the latest one. I'd probably say Loud Ass Car. We were opening with it for a while, um, just because it's like, uh, I think funny from the get, like the quickest one to be funny. You know, the the first lyric is "I have a loud ass fucking car," so it's like if that doesn't at least make you a little, kind of okay. What is this? Um, and it's just a great rock tune. I you know I like the songs. I kind of rock a little more. Um, and then by the chorus, it's very obvious, you know, whose side we're on and, and that should be the side of pretty much everybody. So, uh, yeah, that, I'd say that one. I, I drive a tiny ass little Kia. So, oh yeah. Same Kia Forte. Let's hell, go. Hell yeah, dude. Kia Rio. 
All right. I see you, Rio. Kia Brothers. Love that. <laughs> Kia Brothers. <laughs> um, awesome. Uh, I think that's I've I've asked I've exhausted all my questions. Thank you so much Perfect. for for being here. Where uh, can people find you uh, if you would like to be found? I mean, I have an Instagram. I'm not, I'm not great at using it, but it's just yeah. my name, Ethan Edinburgh. Um, so yeah, if you want to find me, I'm there. Yeah, and of course, the Wolves of Glendale. I'll post the, all these uh, links to their socials in our show notes. Uh, I'll, I'll post a link to Dad Friends as well if people want to check nope. that out as well. <laughs> Colby, don't do that. <laughs> I will not do that. There's so much, so many more things I'm proud of that we've been doing lately. That was like seven years ago. I'm good on that. That is fair. Maybe I'll post the music video down there. There you go. That, now you're something, talking. something a little bit, a little bit more modern for you. Um, but, but thank you so much for, for hanging out, chatting. Um, I, I appreciate you hanging out and, um, and sure. giving me all your secrets that I can steal and use for myself. Please, please. Uh, it's all I'm good for. Steal anything, uh, anytime. And it was a, it was a pleasure talking to you, Colby, anytime. And one last thing, please come to Atlanta or just the, yeah. East, the East coast. We're working on it. I promise you we're working on it. It'll happen soon. I expect to be the first person you tell. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'll send you an email right away. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much, man. Um, And we'll chat soon. S'more Stories is brought to you by the Indiesaurus Podcast Network, which is home to not just one great podcast, but tons of them. Maybe you're in the mood for, a let's say, a Hamtaro watch-along podcast. How about a show that's doing a detailed deep dive into the famed Left Behind book series? Well, you're in luck with Ham Radio and I Survived the Rapture, just two of the many great shows on the Indiesaurus Podcast Network. And oh yeah, The Celly Dwellers is on there too. Follow us on Instagram at Pod or Colby McHugh. I'll reach out on there for topics periodically, so be sure to submit your best and weirdest. And if you want to follow along with the episodes, feel free to send any stories you've written to smorestoriespod at gmail.com. Whether you want notes or just someone to put eyes on a story, send it my way. Music and lyrics by Evan McHugh, whose great songs can be found anywhere and everywhere. Go buy them. Logo design by Brittany Wyland, whose work can be found at mess.and.magic on Instagram. Thanks for listening, everyone, and stay toasty.